0: Welcome to Myth in the Mojave, a weekly half-hour of storytelling and conversation about mythology and why it's important to our lives today. I'm your personal mythologist, Catherine Svela. I live in Joshua Tree, and I'm pleased to bring this program to the high desert and beyond here on Radio Free, Joshua Tree. Our mission here at Myth in the Mojave is to explore the relevance of mythology to contemporary life. And one of our most important resources for this exploration is the work of Joseph Campbell. The mythic pattern called The Hero's Journey is one of Campbell's best-known and most widely used ideas, and it has been embraced by a broad spectrum of folks who work with the connection between mythology, life stories, and life. We've got artists, filmmakers, teachers, psychologists, even yoga teachers and life coaches talking about the hero's journey, and for better or for worse, a lot of advertisers also draw on this pattern and the stages of the journey that Campbell outlined. The usefulness and the ubiquity of the hero's journey has led some people to ask about the heroine and the heroine's journey, and to wonder about Campbell's views of the feminine and his work with goddess mythologies. Last fall, we received one answer to these questions in the form of a recently published book titled Goddesses, Mysteries of the Feminine Divine. This book is part of the ongoing work of the Joseph Campbell Foundation to organize and publish Campbell's scholarship on a wide range of mythological topics, and I recently had the good fortune and privilege of talking with Dr. Saffron Rossi who is editor of the book. Dr. Rossi's close involvement with the book is one reason for the success of this project, which as I understand it, uh, the Campbell Foundation undertook a couple of times in earlier years. She is a professor of mythology at the Pacifica Graduate Institute, a curator of the collections at Opus Archives, which is home to the Joseph Campbell collection, as well as a number of other distinguished scholars. And Dr. Rossi is a scholar of goddess mythologies herself. She did a marvelous job of weaving together Campbell's writing and lectures and giving form and structure to his scholarship on the great goddess. It was a real privilege to talk with her. And now on with our interview. How important is it, do you think, that Campbell's work on the goddess comes out? If people generally think that he focused
1: primarily on the hero, is that justified? I actually don't think it's entirely justified that he just focused on the hero. However, in his collected works, during his living and then posthumously, there hadn't been a volume that really looked at the way that he he was looking at Mm -hmm. um, the feminine divine goddesses women's experiences with mythology and so i think it's been a natural assumption in a way given the written legacy Mm -hmm. that that we have um but i think as this volume shows he had been lecturing on goddess mythologies almost his entire career. And if you look back at the mythic image, um, the Masks of Gods series, the historical Atlas of World Mythology, I mean, the, the figure and his attempts at trying to understand the, the feminine divine figures are constantly present. It's just that where we had the hero with a thousand faces mm-hmm. as this kind of um, powerful monolithic volume there wasn't a corollary to that that looked at the heroine or the goddess and so like I said I I think it's a very natural sort of assumption regarding Mm -hmm. his interests but I I don't think it's accurate one of the things that I think is so important too about this volume not only does it fill that sort of lacuna in a way in in his scholarship but the depth of his thinking and his sensitivity to the significance of uh, the feminine divine, what we might see as these themes of, you know, the the archetypal feminine imaged Mm -hmm. through goddesses, his sensitivity and depth of thought regarding what we're seeing, tracking it through time, is really profound and clearly, I think, shows decades upon decades of really sitting with the material and kind of, um, you know, digesting it and then coming to be able to track larger movements.
0: Could you summarize in any way kind of the main points of his thinking or, you know, did he have a, a central theory or set of ideas about the feminine?
1: Yeah, I think one of Campbell's favorite themes throughout all of his mythological work is that of transformation and whether we're talking about um, the transformation the flight of transformation with stories where people are changing shape and form and you know the pursuit Um, and then I think if we're looking at the way that he tracked the transformation of culture in the historical atlas of world mythology in order to see the way the mythic imagination developed is a huge theme of his and then maybe what is most central to this volume, but of course we can identify it in other volumes, is his passion, curiosity, and tracking of the transformation that one undergoes psychologically and spiritually in life. Mm -hmm. So that, I think, is one of his most central interests and themes. And what we find in the goddess work is that he really understood that transformation in and of itself as a natural archetypal principle of experience is under the auspices and the power of the feminine principle. So I would say that the themes that he identifies in this book, um, and which is outlined um, in a very, I think, digestible and short way, In the initial chapter, which is based on the article he wrote for Parabola magazine back in the early 80s regarding goddess mythology, is that the goddess has everything to do with the experience of physical birth, being the woman who brings forth the child. It then becomes um, metaphorical to the experience of spiritual and psychological birth, which happens... As we mature, different ages, different cultures, it doesn't matter, but that second birth is one where we move from child to adult or from unconsciousness to consciousness, Mm -hmm. however we might term that, and that that transformation is under the auspices of the goddess as well. So where the physical image might be that of life to death to new life, the metaphorical is the same, life to death to new life, but on a psychological, spiritual, emotional, creative level. So I I would identify the main theme for Campbell regarding the energy of goddesses through all mythologies has been one regarding the transformation of life to death to new life. Okay. From Campbell's
0: perspective,
1: this transformation for
0: men and for women both involves the feminine she's the the context the container and the energy of the experience regardless of whether or not you're a man or a woman right yes I i think that's that's absolutely on point yeah when i think about the role of the feminine in the hero's journey the male task on his path to fulfillment is separation from that The man has to leave the mother, whereas the daughter needs to refine her identification with her. What you're saying
1: makes sense to me, but I'm kind of sitting here with those two things and going, is there a relationship between these? I think we're kind of talking about two different things. And so in Campbell's work on the hero's journey, what he was tracking was the adventure of the hero, any individual, male or female, Mm -hmm. coming to their own unique and individual identity through the challenges and the obstacles that life itself presents us. Okay. And that we have to separate from our parents. We need to face our demons. We need to find what our passion is. Um, We need to fight for what it is that we're passionate about. And all of his examples, whether the image is that of some of the greatest spiritual figures like the Buddha or Christ being examples of that, so too we can look at Luke Skywalker or Katniss Everdeen or, you know, however mm-hmm. we want. that. So the hero's journey is, you know, psychological language, we could even call it the journey of individuation. So it's, it's without sex. It doesn't matter if you're a man or a woman. But we can say that people in their humanness and in their and tr- whatever their particular path may be, that men may need to uh, disengage from their physical mother, right? And that comes up in the goddesses book where Campbell talks about the Melanesian you know, pig sacrifice, and you know the son needing to not be able to run behind the mother and be protected from the fear of what he's going to transform into and all of this stuff. so he talks about examples of that from an Eastern perspective and and we know that that is part of psychological development, but we also know that women equally need to develop psychologically by not being completely immersed in their mother too mm-hmm. so i I think. There's the fact that Campbell focused more predominantly on the male experience, he himself having been a man. Mm -hmm. I mean, how could he really talk about a woman's experience? I don't think nearly as powerfully as he could about a man's experience. We're seeing the psychological aspects of it, but I don't think the journey changes all that much in terms of the model that Campbell put forward. I do think there are alterations, Mm -hmm. but not to get this too tangled up, but... There are many women whose psyches seem to be much more masculine than necessarily feminine. And here I'm not talking about sex. I'm talking about energetic principles. Mm-hmm. And so for them, the hero's journey may, the way Campbell unfolded it, I use it, in the examples he used, may be more on point. So I think the, the tension between our embodied sex as men and women and... As humans, our experience of masculine and feminine principles are two different things. And in some ways, Campbell's Hero's Journey has a lot to do with the masculine principle of coming into self-identity in response to collective energy, legacies, inheritances, social stories, all of these things that we need to separate, cut, differentiate, separate. Mm -hmm. Who am I in response to this? Who am I in response to this? To a certain degree, that's very masculine. But... The feminine energetic of transformation is also what's at heart, at the heart of the heroic journey. Mm-hmm. Because through the journey, one is transformed. And that is the feminine principle coming through. So I, I see both present. But it gets sticky when we get into the sex versus the gendered understanding. Right. Is there anything, though, that is specific for women to take from the goddess? That's in his introduction to that parabola piece. And, you know, what he says is that we have finally come to a place in our, you know, Western civilization where women are freed from the biological tasks that we have been saddled with for centuries, right? Mm-hmm. And so the question then becomes as we are freed from this deep association with Nature's rhythms, in the sense of raising children, mm-hmm. tending the household, you know that is what I, that's what I mean by nature's rhythms, um, the biological, that there's this whole world that's opening up. Now, we're not that far away from when Campbell was saying this, and second wave feminism was really starting to knock some walls down and ask some really important questions. And my sense is that Campbell. Was I mean, let's not forget, too, that he taught at Sarah Lawrence for 38 years, Mm -hmm. and his students were women, you know. So he was really watching an incredible development, I would think, in terms of women's identities through that time. And himself, I think, probably had huge questions about what we were going to see unfold socially, culturally, you know, individually. So... My take is that Campbell understood that in women being able to develop relationships to this material, these mythologies, the mythology of Inanna and her descent to Arishkagal, the mythology of Persephone and Demeter, you know, one of the most archetypal you know stories of a mother and daughter relationship and the transformation that happens there, that women need to grapple with this material and speak to the world and to themselves what it means to them. Mm-hmm. He says this at the end, uh, well, in the book, it, we placed it at the end in a section called Liftoff, and it's taken from a an alumni lecture he gave at Sarah Lawrence in the 70s. And at the very end of the lecture, he says... All we know about mythology and what it means to us has been what men have said. And here we are, the 60s, 70s, 80s, and we need women to tell us what these stories mean to them. What is the creative, spiritual potential that women have always had but are finally now in a place where they can express it in so many different ways, mm-hmm. um, empowered to express their own unique needs and experiences and meaning making. What, what is that? And he says, you know, I now have to sit back in more of an observant role
0: mm-hmm.
1: and watch this unfold and he uses the image of Mary being declared Theotokos, you know, watch the goddess ascend into heaven. But in this sense of where goddess mythologies had been repressed through culture beginning 3500 BCE at the at the start of the breakdown of the Neolithic tradition into patriarchal structures coming in, we have had Two, three, four thousand years of goddesses repressed in mythological, religious, cultural stories, likewise, women themselves. So now that we're shifting, we have access to the stories, and we as women have access to the study of them, the reflections upon them, the getting together and talking about them. What is it that we're seeing? And mm-hmm. I think for Campbell, he. Wanted more than anything for women to be empowered to ask those questions. Um, so that—that's my understanding. That there's a corollary for him between uh, the reemergence of the goddess, let's say, as well as the emergence of women's unique, individual, creative voices, spirits, souls, psyches in relationship to the reemergence of the goddess. Mm-hmm. I think that the book coming out now, even though there had been two prior attempts, during the more, let's say, collective hotbed of goddess activity going on in some ways, why didn't it come out then? We don't know. I mean, mm-hmm. it just is the the, the way um, events unfold. But for it to come out now, I think part of it, for me, uh, in trying to make meaning of why now um has a lot to do with the fact that there's a lot that we need to come to understand on a new level regarding feminine energy and again i'm not talking about men and women i'm talking about our relationship to the processes of transformation Mm -hmm. we know we're living in a time of incredible death and i'm Yes, literally, but I also mean that metaphorically. Institutions are falling apart. Um, Countries are being annexed to other countries. There's a lot of stuff going on. All of it has to do with change. Mm -hmm. The goddess principle transformation is another way of talking about necessary change. Mm -hmm. And I think that we are being challenged at this critical time in our culture, collectively and individually to really come to a new relationship and perhaps a relationship of surrender to transformation mm-hmm. and that is about the feminine.
0: You used an important word in there, I think, surrender. Mm. Listening to you, you know, it's been fairly easy for me to feel the truthfulness of the feminine in relationship to transformation. But I've been looking for a way to uh, take that idea and translate it into some sort of accessible word or feeling. And it seems like surrender is at the heart of it. Surrendering to rather than making it happen. That feels to me like an important part of this conversation you know if you're out there looking for the feminine energy of transformation in your life or wondering how you can invite it in
1: i i think you're right on point and i'm not sure up until our conversation if i've even used that word in relationship to talking about the goddess mythologies and the energy. So I'm really um yeah, I that is really an insight and I think you're right. And 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 what's coming up for me as I think about that is I'm thinking about Buddhist practices um of, you know, mindfulness. If we can be with what is without judging it or criticizing it, you know, I mean, that's mm-hmm. one of the the mindful practices if we go as a parallel to what the experience is of intense emotional pain is that not like being in the throes of birth how do we just be with what's happening without rejecting resisting resisting creates more pain it could end a life whatever that is Mm -hmm. so what is it about the capacity to surrender to what's happening a trusting in the process of what's happening that really is a deeply feminine response or way of being with Mm -hmm. Um, and men and women can equally know what it is to be in that space or to fight it Mm -hmm. (laughs) tooth and nail, Mm -hmm. to fight that experience of surrender so I I think yeah, I think you've really made a connection there that I hadn't um, consciously really sat with Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but it goes back to if we look at the physical images of the fecundity of the woman's body uh, the capacity to bring forth life as a mortal and then as the earth to be able to take life back. You know, there's there there's this inexorable, inevitable movement between um, what must be. Mm-hmm. How do we relate to that? And there is a feminine way of relating to that the surrendering to the natural process that must mm-hmm. be undergone? Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think I think you're right. Yeah, that's how it feels to me. And I think surrender is very is a a very very difficult posture. And I and I don't mean that in a like acting mm-hmm. way, but that surrender as a way of of being with act, responding to or engaging with situations is very difficult um in general. Mm-hmm. Um and I also think for cultures that have always privileged masculine ways of being, uh, the striving, uh, the the intellectual piercing through um, action, um, constant creativity—it's—it's it, it's difficult, or it's a challenge to learn how to uh, find value in ways of being that don't have all of that outward driven energetic focus Mm -hmm. um and i think that's what we're that goes back to you know our hopefully more sophisticated way of learning how to understand masculine and feminine energy and distinguish that from men and women and how we're you know making meaning of what's going on but even more so to come to learn how to be in more feminine modes, mm-hmm. which has to do more with um, surrendering, perhaps, and also natural times of um, you know fallow, quiet, dark earth and gestation, mm-hmm. you know, where it isn't just about well. You know, what's your product? Let What have you done? What am I making? What am I? What am I making happen? What's what's going on? That that's a lot of masculine energy of the drive. And one way of understanding the feminine is that quiet gestating, darker place. You right. Know? Right. Um,
0: right. So yeah, no, that's interesting. That's yeah, sort of intersecting with. Um, some things that I've thought about off and on just looking at the feminine earth, the earth and the the connect the drive to productivity. I mean you could you could look at uh our current cultural and sort of environmental situation from the perspective of this insistence on productivity to get more, to get more, to get more, to get more, to like get more the you know, we're literally driving ourselves and also everything around us, anything that we can turn into a resource to make it maximize all the time. Right. You know, where is that? Where is the rest? You know? Right. It might yeah. be part of the answer to the question of why now with this book. Because I'm also thinking that uh in many ways Campbell's identification with the hero and heroism and the hero's journey. Uh, the fact that he is so identified with those themes uh, it now seems sort of appropriate that his voice be heard on the, the other end of the spectrum. Um, yeah, I like that. You know, we've sort of been on this heroic course which is not to say that he created the momentum for it. No. He showed us what it was. But if part of what we're saying here is that we've been headlong in that model perhaps to the point of exhaustion there's something very satisfying for me now about imagining that he's emerging here and out the other end going hey don't forget about this other
1: part Mm -hmm. of our heritage right and our psyches Mm -hmm. yeah i really like that yeah
0: you've been listening to a conversation that i had with dr saffron rossi editor of The Goddesses, Mysteries of the Feminine Divine. The book is an interesting and skillful weaving together of Joseph Campbell's scholarship on mythologies of the goddess that feels more and more timely to me. I'm particularly noticing the constant drive to productivity and honestly wondering if surrender isn't the life lesson that's really in front of me right now. If you'd like to purchase a copy of the book, I suggest that you head over to the Joseph Campbell Foundation website and find it there under the Collected Works. It'll link you to Amazon, but going to Amazon through their website provides a little benefit to the JCF, which is the driving force behind the release of this material. I hope you enjoyed the program, and thanks again to Saffron for her sharing her insights about the book and the transformational energy of the Divine Feminine with us. That's it for me, Catherine Savella, and Myth in the Mojave for this week. If you have questions about today's program or mythology in general, you can find Myth in the Mojave on Facebook. You can also contact me through my website, mythicmojo.com. I remind you that Radio Free Joshua Tree and Myth in the Mojave are made possible by generous donations from Mojave Wi-Fi Joshua Treats Ice Cream, Pappy and Harriet's, Petersburg Realty, and listeners like you. You can support this unique community-based station by making a donation using the Donate button conveniently located on our website at RadioFreeJoshuaTree.org. Special thanks to Travis Rosenberg for my theme music and to you for listening. Please tune in next week, and in the meantime, happy myth-making, and keep the mystery in your life alive.